Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to episode 99 of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Steve Smith of Growth Source Coaching. Steve instructs business clients worldwide and has served over 400 to date. His specialties in leadership, management, and marketing make him an ideal coach to help professionals prepare to become world-class business owners or company executives. We discuss how to pay attention for opportunities to make money. We learn about how to find solutions in the market and how to get clear about life and your business. All right. Let's dig in. All right, Steve. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Nice, nice. One of the things that I always, always like to do, Steve, right off the bat is thank you for your time because I know as a busy business owner, entrepreneur, you have about a hundred things that you could be doing right now, but instead you're, you are here with me sharing your experience, your wisdom and your knowledge. So for that, I say thank you. Thank you for having me on. Now, the second thing that I like to do is I like to learn and meet new people. So I want you to tell us about yourself. Now, when I say that, I mean, feel free and welcome to go all the way back to the day you were born, or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, I will, I will try to keep it topical. Uh, actually, I was born and raised on the East Coast, right outside of Washington, D.C. Had a pretty, you know, pretty middle, of, uh, middle class type of uh, childhood growing up. The one notable exception that uh, my father uh, for me and for my three brothers was pretty hardcore about us earning our way. Um, and so at a very early age, I developed kind of an entrepreneurial idea about what things I needed to be spending my time on because money was always an issue. It was like, all right, I want that. Well, you got to go find a way to make the money to get it. And so we learned fairly early that figuring out ways to make money was actually a good thing. And, uh, so it really helped me and, and all my brothers and, uh, uh, in, in terms of, you know, where we've come now, uh, you know, between that and now I'm, I'm out here in Southern California, actually came out here in 93 on a temporary job transfer that turned permanent when the company got sold while I was out here. And my wife and I had a little six minute conversation about, do we go back to New York or stay out here? And we decided to stay out here and it's been great ever since. Awesome. Now, so you mentioned a little bit about developing that work ethic, that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, 
dig, dig a little bit deeper there. So talk a little bit about the the mindset or the the concept of making money without a job. Well, when you're when you're nine years old, um, you know your parents will will pretend to hire you, and and they give you allowance every week. Um, and you might get uh, the neighbor lady the, to give you some chores to do, but you're pretty unmarketable at that point. Um, and so what we ha- what we started to realize was if you just paid attention to what was going on around you, you you would see opportunities to make money. And where it started for me was, you know, I was always in my friend's backyard and we were playing football or stickball or something like that. And I started to notice on the homes on either side. Uh, that people were stacking up newspapers and magazines. You know, they'd kind of they they they'd tie them up in in string and they'd just stack them up. And so, as I was leaving my friend's house one day, the neighbor lady was out front. And I asked her. I said, "You know, why do you have all that stuff stacked up there?" And she said, "Oh, I'd love to get rid of it, but the the trash people won't take it." And so I thought, "Huh." So uh, you know, I went home, went in the yellow pages because we didn't have computers back then. And I found a local recycling center that took newspapers. So I started going around the neighborhood and collecting all this stuff. And then uh, we'd load it up in the car and we'd drive it over there and they'd pay you by the ton. And uh, I ended up making eight, ten times the amount of money that I would get an allowance every week doing that. And so I thought, okay, there's something to this. You know, Figure out a way to provide a solution for someone else to the point where they will pay you to do it. And, and you can make money on your own terms. Sorry about the pause. I'm just taking notes because you just gave us what I call a golden nugget. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I capture that. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So that is in, in essence, what entrepreneurial thinking is, right? Uh, figuring out, seeing, paying attention, really. Uh, we talk about all the time, listening to the market and what the market needs and then fulfilling that need um, and filling that gap and, uh, and serving. So, so yes. to me, that's what I, what I heard you say. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, it, and you know, it, I've refined my thinking over the years because that's typically what you do as you get older. Uh, but you know, it, it's really about finding a solution to other people's problems because everybody's got problems. Everybody's got challenges, things that they'd rather not deal with, but the mass majority of people don't spend time thinking about a viable solution. They just live with the problem. And so if you can come along and, and, and present that solution and there's enough people out there with the same problem, you have the essence of a business idea that's probably, uh, you can probably monetize it. You can make money from it. I don't know if you realize this or not, Steve, but you just saved people hundreds of thousands of dollars with just that concept <laughs> alone. So on behalf of those people, thank you, Steve, for that, that golden nugget. Any, any time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to backtrack a little bit because I want to get to know you a little bit better. Um, what's your favorite thing to do? Today and probably for about the last 20 some years, um, my wife and I, we do a lot of um, recreational riding and touring on my motorcycle. And and I love riding. Um, you know, it's, it's not unusual to go out and spend 300 miles, you know, during a day just riding around. And Southern California is a great place to do that. But for me, it's an escape. Because when I'm behind the handlebars and I've got the music piped in through my helmet, I don't have to really worry about anything other than just the flow of traffic around me. But it's a great way to just kind of relax and just let ideas and thoughts just run through your head because all you really have to do is ride. 
And so it's, it's a great way to travel. It's a great leisure time thing. But for me, it's, it's, you know, it's like therapy. I've always wanted to get a motorcycle, but I have a couple of, of, of challenges with that. Number one, I have small and young children. So, and I usually drop off uh, at school every day. So that eliminates Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. So then I would only have Saturday and the family's not going to get on the back of the bike to go to church on Sunday. So really that leads <laughs> to me Saturday. And I live in Wisconsin. So most of the year is not warm enough. So yeah. I figured I should probably not get a bike. Yeah, you're you're really. I mean, at stage of life, maybe it's not the best thing, but definitely the the area of the country. Um, I'm sure in the summer and the spring, it's probably beautiful up there. Yes, uh, but uh, you know, there. I mean, as as when I used to work for uh, General Mills, and I almost ended up going to Minneapolis. And I remember talking to a guy one time about what's it like to live up there, and he says, "Well, we only have two seasons: we have winter and we have road repair." And I thought, "Oh man, that doesn't sound very enticing." Yeah. And, and what's funny is that is a hundred percent accurate and true. <laughs> He's not exaggerating. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so you're, you're a successful business owner. If you had to identify one, because I know that you have many, what's your superpower? If I had to, if, if I had to come up with something that would, would meet that particular standard, I would have to say it's my ability to help people get clear about things. And I, I've had people, whether they're clients or colleagues, or just tell me all the time, they say, I can spend five minutes talking with you and walk away with insights that I just never thought about before. And so for me, it's all about listening to people and, and asking a few of the right questions to get them into a part of their head that they probably never played in before, but will is just is just got all kinds of riches in it. And all they have to do is tap into that and they can solve their own problems. Now, whether they're committed enough to actually go out and execute on that, that's another question. But for most people, it's that clarity of saying, wow, I've been living with this problem. I've been dealing with this problem for I don't know how long. And I've just learned to live with it because I don't see an answer to it. And I can spend five or 10 minutes with them and have them go out the door thinking, holy crap, I've just I figured it out. I know what I need to do to get rid of it now. You sound like such a coach. We'll, <laughs> we'll dig into that a little bit later. <laughs> I, I recognize that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a familiar, uh, familiar thought process. Um, one thing that I always like to, to bring out in when I'm talking with, with folks is their mindset. How do you think about things? With that in mind, how do you overcome challenges? For me, challenges are basically they fall into one of two camps. The one issue is is having unresolved issues that you bring into new situations and you create new problems for yourself. The other one is walking into new scenarios and being uncomfortable about how to kind of pioneer your way through it. Uh, and I'm sure you've met people before. They're, they're highly intelligent. They're hardworking. But they need, a, they need a playbook in front of them all the time or they simply can't think outside their own box. And so actually part of this book I was telling you about earlier has one of these principles in it that goes to mindset. And it goes like this, learn from the past, live in the present, think in the future. When you find people that spend too much time thinking in the past, they're subject to replaying over and over again that tape loop in their head, which many times causes them to do the same things over and over again and, and get the same results they don't want. It's all about, you know, learn from the past. I mean, uh, failure is only failure if you don't learn anything from it. But, but learn those things and apply them forward when you're in the present, 
make sure that you're um, uh, that you're actually there. You're living it now. You're you're observing. You're participating. So people don't look at you as being somebody that's aloof. That you're kind of your head someplace else. Um, and then when you're when you're strategizing, when you're looking forward at your future, make sure you're actually going down the road by looking out the front window, not by looking in the rearview mirror. You know, don't look at what you did and say, gee, I don't know if I can do better than that. Start with what you want and then reverse engineer it into what do you have to do now to start that process? So once I really learned how to do that and to think that way, it freed me up not to get all up in my own head with my own fears, my own suspicions and parallels my paralyze myself. It really allowed me to just sit there and say, okay, what's possible for me? What do I want? What am I willing to exert energy in and time and effort to get? And uh, uh, I think, you know, if, if you ask my wife, she would tell you this because there's two times in my career when I was out of work. And the very first time it happened, I was truly paralyzed. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? We have bills. We have this and that. You know, I've got to find a job. Once you figure out that you can make money on your own terms, that's the most freeing thing that you'll ever experience in your whole life. Now, I know that you're successful and you kind of alluded, you gave us some hints on how you got that way. But what are your top three keys to success? Three things I would say is number one, take whatever time you need to get really clear in your own head about what you want and what you're willing to do to get it. Many, many people that I've worked with over the years have these kind of notions and maybe kind of a foggy, you know, picture about where they're going or what they would like, but they never get clear enough to be able to say, I'm willing to invest and risk X amount of dollars, time, effort, resources, whatever, because it means that much for me to get it. You have to be that resolute in your own thinking if you're going to start a business. Um, or even get into a new industry. Let's say the industry you're in now is just kind of imploding, you know, and there's not much opportunity. You want to go and, and do a whole course correction in your career and, and go into a new industry. You've really got to get your head ready to play the game before you get into it. So that's number one. Number two, recognize that every person you come in contact is a potential resource that you can learn from. If I look back over my career and I look at some of the things I'm doing today, in some cases, I realized I actually learned how to do this 20 or 30 years ago in a completely different job. But because I focused on what it was I was learning and how I could apply it and how I could make it a regular part of my operation, you just bring it back. It's like going into the archives of your computer and, and bringing out an old file. So everybody you run into, you can learn something from. You can learn, gee, I would love to be able to do that myself, so I'm going to figure out how they do it. Or you could say, gee, that's not a quality I want myself, so now i got to figure out how to avoid that. So the first thing is get really clear. The second thing is learn from everybody. And the third thing is, and, and this is, you know, as part of my leadership coaching, this kind of, this comes up, develop a servant leadership attitude. Because if people recognize that you truly are interested in them and you're willing to do things to help them along. The, the payback is endless. People just love to help folks that have extended help to them or done things for them that have allowed them to move a couple of notches you know, forward in their own path. So if you start thinking of it from, it's not what I get out of it, but it's how much I can offer to other folks that's of value to them, that in, in your networking circles, your community, your church, wherever you go on a regular basis, you will be known as somebody of high value and high integrity. And that is a brand that nobody can compete with. That is 
awesome stuff. Uh, get clarity. Get clear on what you want and what you're willing to do to get it. Recognize that everyone you come in contact with is a potential resource. Learn from everyone. Develop a servant leadership attitude. Now, let's t- let's dig a little bit deeper on that. Servant leadership. Has that always been a thing? Uh, because it seems that it, it, it's becoming more popular now. Uh, as you look back over your career, has that always been the case? No, it hasn't. Um, although I can tell you, and if, you know, either one of my parents were alive, they would tell you that I was always very keen to be able to help other people figure out problems or, or, you know, if I had something that was a value that I could teach them that I would do it, you know, free of anything. It was just because I wanted them to be able to do better on their own. But I have to tell you that in my corporate career life, I spent 30 years in consumer products manufacturing, four different companies, you know, all, all really great experiences. But I have to tell you, there were times, a lot of time during that phase where you get up into the bureaucracy, the framework of major corporations, you're climbing the ladder, you're getting more, you know, more authority, you're, you're getting more compensation. And sometimes you forget about the servant part. Sometimes all you're really looking at is, it's either eat or be eaten. So I have to figure out how to eat them first. Switching gears a little bit before we dig into your business and um, how you got to where you are. If you could meet anyone in the world, who would it be and what would you say to them? Okay, so qualifying question on that. Is this only living people? Because I sometimes people ask that and they say living or dead. Are you just talking about living folks today? Um, I'll let you choose. <laughs> okay, so if it was anybody, regardless of living or dead, the person I would pick would be my great-grandfather on my father's side. Reason being, he passed away when my father was only 14. I wasn't even in the picture yet, okay? And my father went through a youth period that was really rocky. And I mean, there was some, there was some rough stuff. And because my grandfather died at such an early age, he kind of fell off the history map pretty early. We, we know almost nothing about him, but I know that the kind of person he was had an impact on the things I experienced as a kid growing up under my dad. So I would really love to be able to sit down with him and say, you know, tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me, tell me how you viewed the family that you created, because I get the impression from, you know, aunts and people that are still left in the world here that he wasn't really a family guy, but yet he had a family. And so, you know, I, I'd really just love to fill in the blanks on my own genealogy in terms of where I came from and, and why I'm the way I am today, because I know a lot of it is with him. He's just not available. Let's talk about growth source coaching. Mm-hmm. Give us everything. Tell us how you started and where are you going? Tell us everything there is to know about, about your company. Okay. I left corporate America in 2008. And at that point, I decided that Okay, I had a number of years left that I could I could do something. I could uh, you know I could really uh, I could really extend value to people, and and I wanted to make best use of it. And I thought, you know, it's time to leave the corporate environment. Too much travel, you know, just too much stress. I needed to get out and do something different. I just didn't know what it was. And I ran into a woman who happened to be a consultant that specifically worked with company executives to figure out how what kind of a business would be good for them to get into. She was the one that suggested business coaching. I hadn't really heard of it before. And um, so I checked into it and did some research and uh, found a small company that was like a franchise, but they were very, very small. And I joined them and I learned a ton. 
And it was, it opened my eyes to things I'd never realized being in a corporate track. You know, a lot of the small to medium sized business stuff just completely escapes you when you're, when you're in that environment. And, uh, so I got going and I was doing pretty good. And all of a sudden the uh, founder of the company calls me up on <laughs> March the 8th, 2011, and basically tells me they've run out of money and they're closing the doors. And so the, the yeah, the whole conversation was, was only 10 minutes long. So I hang up the phone and I sit there and I think, okay, what do you do with a franchise when the mothership goes down? I mean, it's worthless. There's no value in it. There's no brand equity left in it. Uh, so I took all the information, all the material that I had sourced, you know, as, as part of the business. And I just repurposed and it took me about 30 days to do it, rebranded, came up with the name, basically went private. And uh, it was the best thing I ever did. I mean, I, I've been able to do things today that I never would have been able to do under that that franchise label because of all the rules and the regs and the restrictions of operating in, a, in an environment like that. Now, the one thing, this was the interesting part. I love that company. I learned a ton from them. But as I look back now, there was one essential piece of, of business coaching that they were completely missing. They focused on mindset, which is important. They focused on marketing and sales, which is real important. The piece they were missing was management and leadership. They didn't do anything with that. And today, the vast majority of my coaching is in that space because the companies I work with, most of the time, what they really need help with is how do we run this structure more effectively? How do we get our people to operate better? How do we train managers who are technically really proficient, but they just, they're horrible with people? So that's what I end up spending most of my time on, the piece that was missing from the original company I started. Fast forward to today, what I guess what kind of things did you implement that makes your this iteration of the company successful when the franchise was not successful? Okay, one of the things that I've adopted and you know, in order to understand this, you have to know just a little bit about the coaching industry. I don't know if you've had other coaches on your program or anything like that, but coaching is a largely unregulated industry. So while there's a lot of um, best practices and kind of methodologies and rules to how you do it, um, the people are all over the place. Okay. So what I decided to do is get really narrow. So my focus is oh, there only had two clients that I, I really focus on. It's either people that own business enterprises, companies, or people in professional levels of large organizations who have authority and control over that part of the company. You know, uh, C-suite people, directors, you know, senior level managers, people like that. So that's the two areas that I focus in. And I look at myself not as a traditional coach, which for a lot of these folks is kind of steeped in therapy, you know, for me, I'm more like a sports coach. You know, you, you you see these guys on the sidelines and in practice, and they're right up in the face of the the players because they know if they can get those players to to get outside their own comfort zone and work harder and do things they know will work, that player is going to be better when game day shows up. And that's how I work with clients today. You know, I'm I'm pushing them. I mean, I'm they always make the decision. I never take the decision making away from them, but I'm always leading them to the edge of their own box because I want them to get comfortable with operating out there in that area where all their opportunity is, but they've just never wanted to go by themselves. So it's very much an active approach. You know, it's kind of shoulder to shoulder stuff. 
But, um, you know, I, I've got I've got a huge library of resources, um, you know, systems and procedures and things. And sometimes people just say, look, I'm, I'm in uncharted territory. I've never done this before. OK, that's fine. I'll send you something that will school you on this very quickly. Then we can have some really productive conversations about how you can use it best in your organization. So I'm much, uh, you know, some people have actually said to me, said, you're not a coach, you're a consultant. Well, no, I am a coach because I don't do it for them. But I throw a lot of advisory practice into it because I want to fast track their learning. If they don't learn any faster with me than without me, they don't. They can save money. They don't have to have me. <laughs> the whole idea of getting me is to make sure they move quicker and get there faster. Now, I'm curious about something. Now, you're working with business owners and executives. These are people who are accustomed to making decisions. Mm-hmm. They're accustomed to telling people what to do, mm-hmm. but they're not typically used to people helping them or guiding them. I I guess in your early days, was that a challenge? And if so, how did you overcome that? Um, It was, and it still is. And what I've learned over time is that the, the, the most important thing for me to do is establish my role and my, my intention with them early on. Uh, and I'll give you a great example. I work with a lot of law firms, you know, lawyers that now own their own company and they're still operating like, like lawyers, not like the business owner. And, um, so, you know, these guys will, you know, I don't need to, they have that same mindset you just described. And so typically what I'll tell them, I'll say, look, I'm not here to make you a better lawyer. I'm here to make you a better business owner that has to operate the law firm that supports you. So, you be the best lawyer you can. That's you're out of my field totally. But when we talk about business and how you can grow this thing and, and make it more profitable and keep your people longer and feel like you can take time off and have a vacation with your family, that's my domain. So once you get those role definitions between the client and the coach kind of ironed out and they know what you're there for and, and then they then they, they're like normal people. Then there's no pretension. There's none of this other, you know, I don't have to do what you say. Well, great. You don't, you can always make the decisions whether you want to do it or not. But if you're not going to do it, I'm going to want to know why. And then we're going to have to have that conversation. For me, one of the biggest value adds that a coach can bring to any, really any situation is that accountability, right? Uh, Taking, holding that business owner accountable for the goals that they, you know, that they've set and the things that they need to do and offering that outside perspective. And you hit both nails right on the head. People basically pay me to tell them things that their normal inner circle won't tell them. And they want someone who's going to challenge them and 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 not give them an easy way out. Let's face it. When you're at the top of the heap and you're not really reporting to anybody, everybody's reporting up to you, you can do what you want. And some of these guys do. And, and they let that go on too long and then the business suffers for it. So without having somebody hold you accountable – then you start to drift yourself. And, and I, um, uh, I've got this term because I've had a number of clients over the last couple of years that do this. It's what I call mental drift. It's like mentally they start getting disengaged with what they're there to do. So now they start spending more time away from the business. Maybe they spend more time at home or at their, their resort home or something. They're doing a lot of fun things outside the business, but they're not really back in the business making sure it's doing what it's supposed to do. And eventually it will start going off track. But then the hard thing for them is, okay, I realize I've been away too long and my, my influence is gone. How do I re-engage? That's the problem that they run into is what do I have to do to get back into it? Because now everybody realizes that I'm not interested. I haven't been here in two weeks. 
Yeah, it, it's really weird how businesses, as they grow and develop, begin to to really be entities in and of themselves. And they have needs and they have things that they that it needs. Absolutely. And, and if you don't treat it that way, uh, as you said, it can, can tend to, to, to drift and you, you come back and you're like, I don't even recognize this. What was going on? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it happens. Now, this time has gone by so fast, Steve. It's unbelievable. But to to kind of wrap things up, give the enterprisers, is what I call my my listeners. Okay. Give the enterprisers an actionable step to improve their lives or businesses today. One of the things that I recommend people do, and, and you don't need to hire a coach for this, okay? Um, find folks in your network, your 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 circle of friends, people that you're out there, you know, meeting and doing things with. Find two or three other people that you really respect for their observation abilities, their ability to communicate, things like that, and form yourself uh, like a, almost like a little buddy coaching group. And, you know, you can develop some standards in terms of how, how you meet and what you talk about. But believe me, one of the things that I run into all the time, and it can happen from the very beginning in the startup mode as well as once you've established yourself – Many business owners, they get to a point where they lose the ability to receive feedback and constantly be thinking about what they could do better and what they need to stop doing. And you can get your own crew of people, even if it's one other person and you guys go out to dinner once a month and you, you know, you, you spend 30 minutes on you and 30 minutes on him and you give each other feedback that, that will keep you so much more mentally fresh and give you the opportunity to really start thinking past the routine you've gotten yourselves into. I mean, routines are great because it allows us to be comfortable about how we move through our day and our week and, and it keeps us productive and efficient. But there's a downside to that. And the downside is you get in a rut and all of a sudden, you know, things are happening around you that you probably ought to be paying attention to and you don't even see them coming. And so a lot of times what I tell people is figure out a way to constantly get feedback and observation outside of your business. It, it, it shouldn't necessarily be your own employees. It should be people outside the business that know you and know your business, but they're not hooked to you from a standpoint of being obliged because they work for you. If you can, if you can get that down and find that person, you can solve a lot of your own problems over time because nothing will creep up and just hit you blind you'll at least have an opportunity to think about stuff before it before it happens. And that's so important. If people want to reach out to you or get more information about your company and what you guys do, how can they do that? Best way to do that is to just go to my website, which is growthsourcecoaching.com. Um, I mean, I, everything I have is on that website. So they can learn a lot just by reading the articles that are on there, watching the videos. Um, they can learn a lot about me and, and how I operate and what they ought to be thinking about doing. Um, and then there's places on there where you can either call, you can contact me through one of the little the little boxes you can fill out. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. Um, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm very, very active out in the social media world. So there's a lot of places, Facebook, LinkedIn, you can, you can find me. Um, but, um, one of the reasons, which is interesting, I market very heavily on the internet, but I don't sell. And the reason I don't do that is because people don't necessarily need my help when I want to give it to them. They need it when they realize they need help. 
And so the best thing I can do is just position myself to where I'm always around, just waiting for them to call. Now, you want to uh, tell us just a tidbit about your book and how people can learn more about that? Yes. Um, I, I wrote this book. Uh, it's, a, it's fairly short, but it's called Leadership Axioms. And axioms is just a fancy word for principles, but there's 14 of them in there. And uh, it's, a, it's only like 40 pages long, so you can get through it in 20, 30 minutes. But the whole idea is to refresh you with some of the most sound principles of leadership that I have ever learned and practiced over my 40 years being in business. And then it gives you an opportunity at the end of the book to kind of evaluate yourself in terms of how you currently do in each one of these and then select three that are most important for you and establish a little game plan for tuning yourself up. So I, I wrote this thing and I, I got so much positive feedback on it. I now have three other book titles for other segments of business building that I'm going to be launching here over the next year. But that one's on the website now. It's on the front page. You know, as you're scrolling down, you'll see it. You can click there and you can go in and read a little bit about it. And if you want one, you can, uh, you know, you can, you can order one right online there. Awesome. Well, Thanks so much, Steve, for your time, uh, sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. We um, certainly appreciate it. Well, listen, thank you for having me on. I, I, I love these kind of conversations. It's always interesting to see you know, how folks like yourself kind of guide me through the conversation. And they did a great job, and it was, it was well worth the time. I appreciate that. Enterprisers, again, I know I say this every single week. But I say it every single week because it's true every single week. That was just a nugget filled, wisdom rich conversation. I, I know I have a couple of pages of notes over here. I know you got a ton of value out of that. So thanks again uh, for, to Steve for sharing his knowledge and, um, and wisdom with us. Enterprisers, head on out to the website. If you have not done so already, download the three P's to empowerment. We want you to operate in your purpose, your path, and your passion. Because when you're operating in your awesome zone, things begin to flow through you, not even to you, through you when you're operating in that awesome zone. So head on out to the website, download that, and let me know how you're doing. If you, if you get stuck, let me know. We can work through it together. I'll share mine with you as well. So, Thank you guys so much. We would not be able to do what we do without you guys. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will talk with you guys next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email. Mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.